This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Ah, oh, thanks, Charlie. Yeah, so um, this is my guy right here. We've been we've been friends for a long time. Uh, as Charlie mentioned, we were roommates. Uh, a very interesting roommate situation. We were actually roommates with like four other dudes. So there was like six of us in a two-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment, right? And it's like one of those but God moments, you know? Like if anybody can fit in six people in one bathroom, let them have the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Like we're all, we're all just trying to make it, you know, and give grace to one another. But it was a good time. It was a really good time. Um, one night, um, I was sleeping on like a platform. Like I had built a platform and put a mattress on it. And one of our other friends, Brian, we put like a, like a two-seater couch where he was sleeping. And then Charlie had a small twin bed. <laughs> and there was three of us in one bed. And uh, we would always joke, Charlie and I, that maybe... Uh, in one room, yeah. <laughs> um, that maybe the platform just might break and fall on Brian. <laughs> now, he's, now, he's alive, so, um, you know, he's still with us. Um, but even if, even if he wasn't, he's a Christian, so we'll, we'll see him later. Uh, no, but it's been, it's been such a joy just to spend time with Charlie and Laura and, and, and uh, just to be here with them. It's been, it's been a long time, you know, pre-pandemic, um, to spend time with them and to hang out with them and see their little ninos. Right, they got Charlotte, Charlotte in the building somewhere back there. Um, but what a what a really cool time it's been to just be here. So I appreciate you guys just giving me the time, giving me the time. Well, this morning we're going to be in Mark chapter four, Mark chapter four, uh, verses one through twenty. Let me just go ahead and give that out. Um, about a year ago, man, things were really crazy, right? We were probably like in lockdown mode, and. I know in Dallas, they were taking it pretty seriously. They, they told us we couldn't go anywhere except for like groceries, <laughs> right? Like only go out if you have to. And there were like police cars everywhere where I was staying at. And so if you were out and you weren't supposed to be out, they'd get you. Um, and I remember just, man, you do some weird things when you're all alone, you know? And, and um, I remember going off like a YouTube Whole And like, you know how that goes. You like, you see all these like suggestions and, you know, it started off with seeing like, you know, this Indian dude preparing, you know, eggs and rice and pizza and, and ramen for like 10 people, you know? And then all of a sudden, five or six hours later, you're looking at Michael Jackson, you know, choreography, you know? And so um, lots of weird things happen. And, 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 and I think that I was just trying to distract myself. Right? Like I was trying to distract myself because so many things were going on, right? Like, look, COVID was happening. People were dying. People were losing the, their jobs. And my mom lost her job. And that was really hard for me because that wasn't just the first time. That was like the second or third time. And I'm thinking, God, just give us a break, you know? So I'm worrying about my mom. And then my employer tells me, hey, John, so like, we're not really sure if we're going to keep everybody. So just know that. And there was so much instability, right? Like there was just so much instability. I cannot catch a break. And I'm sure that it was like that for a lot of people. COVID was happening. People were losing their jobs. People were passing it away. Not only that, there were shootings and killings and protests and riots and all these things. And everything was just so loud. I got so distracted that I felt like I just couldn't hear God. And I remember zooming in on my life group and telling them, hey guys, I don't even know if I'm growing in the faith because I'm not like, able to love somebody in this moment. I'm just here all alone in my apartment. It was really hard. 
And for me to be alone, I don't know if you guys experience this, but for me to be alone and, 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 just, and just be there and not be able to be with somebody and hear them out and love them and maybe attend to their needs was really draining for me. I'm sure last year we probably all had something similar to where you're in a pandemic and you're all alone. There's so much uncertainty. There's so many things that are going on, the riots and, and the protests and, and police brutality and, and COVID and loss of jobs. And you're thinking, God, what are we even doing here? And sometimes Christianity just kind of fades away, like in the background. Like, what are we, like, what are we really doing here? I think Mark 4 gives us a direction for being a disciple in whatever situation. I think that there's a beauty that God gives in Jesus that as Christians, no matter what, we can move forward. We can grow. We can build and we can bear fruit in all seasons of life. And I think that sometimes the situations in our life really distract us because they're so loud, right? Death is so harsh. People losing their jobs is so harsh. Uncertainty is so harsh. And what God has done in Jesus is that once he's given us the Holy Spirit, he expects us to do something with it. He really does. He expects us to to, to fall in love with Jesus and to know him more and then to bear fruit because because we're not just here just, just to be saved and sit in the pew or the chair, but he's given us a mission And yes, that is to make disciples. But one, my question is, are we becoming the disciple that Jesus has asked for? And that's really important to him. Are we becoming something? I think in that time, I remember going on a walk and thinking, God, you still care about who I am becoming in this season of hardship. And I think because everything has been overturned, that we maybe have lost sight of what direction we're supposed to be going in. Everybody wants to get back to their normal lives of just going to church and going to movies and going to outings and going to baseball games or basketball games or football games and and, and let's just get back to normal. But what really is normal for the Christian? And let me just say this. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, Jesus has put you on mission, not just to reach out out for other people, but but one, internally to let the, the, the word that has been sown in you to grow and to change. And if you don't change... We should pray about that. Because everyone should be going in this direction of holiness and sanctification and looking more like Jesus. This world is crazy, right? But he's saved us if you're a Christian. He's, he's giving you his word. He's giving you his spirit. And in doing that, he's giving you the ability to bear fruit. So, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells us a story. And I want us to pick up there. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. The question that I want to answer today is how do we become targeted disciples? How do we get to bearing fruit? And I want us to see here in this text that Jesus gives us direction. One, he gives us the answer, and then he also cautions us with something. All right, so he does two things. Now, just to let you know, um, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20 is just half of the section of this teaching. So if you look just quickly to the right, verses 21 through 33 and 34, these are all seed parables. It's the same thing. So next week, I'm assuming like whenever somebody else teaches, just know that whatever I'm teaching uh, is actually goes hand in hand with the second half of 
of, of uh, these teachings, these parables. Um, in chapter one, God says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Is at hand. John baptizes Jesus and then Jesus goes and says, you know what? It's time to preach. And he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then in verse 128, it says that his fame was spreading everywhere. Everyone was listening to him. Everyone was curious about him. I mean, he was healing folks. People were bringing him people that were sick and paralyzed and lame, and he was healing people. Now his fame was spreading all over the place. In 135, it says that he went out to pray. In 138, it says, let us go on to the next few towns because this is why I came out. In verse 145, it says, Jesus was out in desolate places preaching and teaching. In 2.13, it says that he went out beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him. Now, this is really interesting. There's a twist and Mark does this on purpose. In 3.21, it says, family heard. And when they heard that his family uh, uh, were hearing that Jesus was saying, hey, look, I'm the Christ. I'm doing all these miracles. They said, they went out to seize him. He's out of his mind. But chapter four, verse three, check it. It says this, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Chapters one through four is Jesus doing this ministry of healing paralyzed people and lame people and, and people that were sick and people that were, that were potentially dead. And, and, and he's going out to places to preach and teach and preaching and teaching. And he said, this, this is why I came because I'm trying to go out. And his family who thinks, I mean, he's, you know, Jesus is on something crazy, right? So, so let's get him, all right? Let's, let's get him out of that house, right? But the text says, Jesus says, listen and behold, this is the sower went out to sow. And what Mark is doing is he's comparing Jesus with the sower because that's what Jesus was comparing himself to. Jesus is the sower. People think that he's crazy, but this is the plan. And this is the plan for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is heaven is, has come to earth. And I love that because the verbiage in, in Greek where it says it is at hand, meaning it is now invading territory. It's in reach. You can now see it. You can now sense it. You can now experience it. And I love that because John 1 says the same thing. John 1 gives Jesus this, this tabernacle idea. In the Old Testament, they had the tabernacle and you couldn't get near it. Only the, only the priests. But in John 1, it says that the tabernacle came down and dwelt among the people, meaning it was accessible. And this is the kingdom of God the accessibility of heaven on earth. And it's, it's not just for Jesus. It's for anyone who believes. I don't know where, any, where everyone is at, but I'll tell you this. If you're a Christian today, God has given you his spirit to maximize his kingdom and bring heaven on earth. Now, unfortunately, sometimes Christians bring a little bit more hell than heaven. But I want us to encourage us today that God desires the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It's his kingdom, all right? Okay, so let's read this parable and then I'm just going to explain some of the things here, all right? So starting in verse three, starting in verse three, it says this, listen and behold, and this is really great, listen and behold. He says, listen, hear, and then see. Hear it and then see it. A sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. 
And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell on thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. Okay? Verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve had asked him about the parables. And he said to them, the ones who asked, right? To you, it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. See, the kingdom of God theme is still present. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see, but never perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should return and be forgiven. All right? And then he explains. But let me just say this. Being a disciple means you're participating in the kingdom of God, and a receptive heart produces fruitfulness. All right? If there's anything to write down, is a receptive heart produces fruitfulness, all right? So what does a receptive heart look like? I think from the text that we need to hear, we need to receive, and we need to bear fruit. Hear, receive, and bear fruit. Look at verse, well, let me just say this. Uh, 23 times in 34 verses, the word hear is written. All right, so Mark's goal is to say, hey, look, hear it out. (laughs) Open up your ears, okay? And there are eight times in our passage, but it starts off in verse three. Listen, Akuo, hear it and see it. And then all grounds are able to hear it. If you check it out, look at the text. All grounds are hearing. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. We're just going to read some of it. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, okay? Look at verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it. Look at verse 18. And others are the ones sown on thorns. They are those who hear the word. But look at verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it. See, all paths are having this opportunity, right, to hear God's word. And what God is doing is, is in Jesus, he's sowing on, on the pathway, on the stones, on rocky ground, on thorns, and then on good soil, Okay. All right, we also need to receive. Look at verse 16. Look at verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they heard the word, immediately receive it with joy. Like we need to receive it. And how do I know that this is part of, part of being a receptive heart? Look at verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it. It's the same thing. It's the same idea, is that you're receiving something, okay? And receiving here means that to come to believe that something is true and respond accordingly. And so what this is asking us is to live in a way that shows that we have received it, that we have, like, received it, okay? Um, The third thing here is that we need to bear fruit. Look at verse 20. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones that hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. I think this is really interesting because this is the same concept that's going on earlier in verse, uh, verse 8. Look at verse 8. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain. Look at the participles. Growing up and increasing and yielding. And just so that people understand that this is a progression, he says this, and he said uh, um, that our growing uh, six, uh, 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. 
See, everything that Mark is doing is saying, listen, if, if you are a Christian and, and, and there's good soil, you're going to be growing and increasing and yielding. Now, what are you yielding? Spiritual fruit. If you guys can flip over to uh, Galatians chapter 5. So to your right, Galatians chapter 5. There are many passages that talk about spiritual fruit and what a Christian looks like, but I just want to give you just kind of a framework to kind of see this text through, okay? Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, and then we'll drop down a little bit. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. It says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. This is something that I've noticed in the text, is that you are either walking in the Spirit, choosing to walk in the Spirit, taking the hand of the Spirit, or choosing to walk in the flesh. There's no middle ground. You're either moving forward in Christianity, or you're taking steps back. Okay, now drop down to verses uh, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and patience, and kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, now, what's happening here? What is Jesus saying in Mark 4? That this seed that, that, that falls on, on good soil is producing, it's producing this, these, these character attributes. And these attributes are all pointing back to God and who he is. If you are in your faith right now and are walking more like the world or more like your old self, then, Jesus, then I think what God is saying here is, listen, is the seed falling on good soil right now? Like in your life, are you experiencing this increasing, this yielding, this production like in your life? And that's really harsh, but this is the human element. Next week, God's divine authority, even when we mess up or when we fall short or, 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 or not come to the expectation, God still comes through, okay? All right, but I do want to give us those, those texts to kind of look through and, and think of when we think about bearing fruit and good soil, okay? Okay. Um, James chapter 1, he encourages people to receive the implanted word that is able to save your soul. Now, he's talking to believers here. So what's happening? To receive the implanted word, that's the seed, that's able to save your souls so that you can put away all rampant filthiness and wickedness and all the residue of life that's able to save your souls. What he's saying there, like in that passage, is listen, what God has given you, you have the opportunity to now make much of whenever we walk by the Spirit, whenever we take the hand of the Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. All right, so what can disrupt this process? All right, we know that, that, that um, to be a disciple, all right, we need to hear, we need to receive the word, and we need to bear fruit, okay? But what is disrupting this process? Let me give you three things. A distracted heart produces fruitlessness, and there are three distractions, Okay three distractions. Now, this is going to be a little bit interesting, but verses uh, 14 through 15. Verses 14 through 15. It says this, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. 
oh my gosh, that's really crazy. Like how bonkers is that, right? Like, like, like Satan just comes in and, like, and, and takes the word? What I want to caution you is, is that right now, if you're a Christian, you are in spiritual warfare. You just don't know it. Like what we do here on Sundays and together in life groups and, and, and your own personal journey with God, like that's the sowing of the word. But sometimes in life, you experience spiritual warfare in a way that distracts you. And that is a satanic attack. It's spiritual warfare. It's something that goes beyond what we can see. And that's something that we need to be cautious of. Because like the truth is, is that sometimes we just operate on things that we can see and not by faith in the spiritual realm. Like there is something going on that is much more than, than, than what we can actually realize. But what God is saying is, look, listen, see that is sown along the path. Sometimes there's birds in your life that will come in and distract you. And sometimes those things are the things that you can't see. That's a little dark. But Jesus gives a warning. And that's one of the distractions. About two years ago, three years ago, I was living with a guy, not Charlie. We haven't been roommates in like a long time. And Laura would not allow it. Okay, um, but, but like about three years ago, I was living with a guy who was kind of dabbling in some really crazy stuff. And I remember that season. I was already depressed. I was already anxious. I was already down. And then I started to have dreams of my roommate hurting me. And I would wake up and be like, God, are you trying to tell me something? And I remember in the shower, being in the shower where I would pray. I would pray in the shower and all I could try and muster up is, God, can you hear me? I feel like there's so much fuzz. There's so much cloud. There's so much fog. I can't, my prayers, I, I don't feel like they are reaching you. What's going on? What is happening to me? There's so much confusion. I feel like I can't even sense you. But in that moment, now looking back, I realized that I was fighting a battle I could not see. And thanks be to God that in some way he's brought me out and is continuing to bring me out of that fog. But let me just caution you. If you're apathetic towards God's word, if you just don't care, if there's kind of like an indifference, maybe just maybe you're experiencing spiritual warfare. If you feel like your prayers are not going through and you're going through something, anxiety or depression or self-doubt. Maybe it's not just you. Maybe it's just something that you really can't see. But that's why we need each other, right? That's why we come to community groups and live groups so that people can be like, hey man, are you doing all right? Are you doing all right? Can I pray for you? Like what's, like, like what's going on? Like what's happening? So God gives us each other. All right, let me just say this. This is not like a plug-in for like small groups or whatever. But, but God gives us each other so that we can see one another and help one another, okay? So let me just encourage you in that. See that a stone along the path. Now let's look at the next path or soil, rocky ground. Look at verses 16 and 17. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Two things here, persecution and hardship. Persecution and hardship. There is a sense that I think that Christians are being a little bit bombarded. Sometimes the question is, where are y'all at? <laughs> There's other people that know Jesus that are doing way more than you guys, right? 
you guys suck, right? There's, there's, there's kind of a judgment on our faith because of the lack of productivity of fruit in our lives, and they're not seeing it played out in the streets. And y'all do got streets. I drove here, you know what I'm saying? All right, so, so what I'm saying is that, l- listen guys, there is something that is going on in this city, and some of it is persecution. Some of it is looking at you and thinking, man, you got nothing. Why should I believe what you believe? They call you names, or they get you fired, or they hate on you, or they talk about you. And we may not experience persecution like other countries, but I tell you this, it's still persecution. When there's opposition, when people are antagonizing you, maybe some of us are not even, are not even putting out our faith enough to people, for people to antagonize us. But anyways, that's not the point. All right, what I'm saying is that sometimes there's persecution, but the second thing in this, in this text is that there's also hardship. And because of these two things, what is happening? Falling away. And what this word means is kind of like a stumbling of faith, right? Or maybe even an absence, a leaving of, whenever you walk away from somebody. Now, this is really interesting because look at, look at chapter 3, verse 14. Look at chapter 3, verse 14. And he appointed 12, who, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. and he might send them out. Listen, if God has called you to be a Christian, his calling is for you to be with him. And it's really interesting because in Acts, it says this, and they knew that they had been with Jesus because of the things that they were saying and doing and living. The way that they were, that they were able to recognize Christians was because of the way that they behaved and they lived life with one another and they loved, with, they loved one another and they were able to recognize, hey, I saw a guy do that. They had been with that guy, the one that we crucified, that, like the one that was on a tree. But check this out. It says this, the, the seed that is, that is sown on rocky ground, people fall away because of persecution and because of hardship. And they leave him. I remember three and a half years ago, and I was in my bathroom, not knowing what was going on, praying. I said, God, if you're holding on to me, then thank you. Because right now, everything in me wants to go away. How can I believe that you're still here when I can't even see you, when I can't even hear you, I can't even talk to you? I don't feel you, I don't sense you, I don't see you around. Where are you? A few years ago, I had a friend, both him and his wife were in a car accident. They were believers. They were in a car accident. Their car rolled over a few times. And I remember them telling the story. In that time, they were asking, God, where are you? How could you let this happen? What are you doing? And even though they walked out of the car without a scratch, it led them into a place of doubt, which is fine, we all doubt, right? But that doubt festered and settled in and simmered in such a way to where they walked away from the faith. And it was heartbreaking to see that. That was one of my best friends. Trials, hardships. Let me ask you a question. What are the stones in your life right now? 
Are you going through something? Are you experiencing a hardship? Are you wondering, God, what in the world are you doing in my life? Where are you? Let me just, let me just encourage you. The seed that is sown right now, it's on purpose. And even though at times we may have stones in our life, God's not done with you yet. God's not done with you yet. But is your life distracted by stones? Is your heart not receptive to the hearing and the receiving and the developing of the fruit that God wants to produce in you because of the stones in your life? Or maybe because of the distractions of the spiritual warfare that is in your life? I'm not really sure. But I'll tell you this, it's on purpose. It's on purpose. God is still sovereign and he knows what he's doing. Let's look at the next distraction. Among thorns, look at verses 18 and 19. And others are the ones sown among thorns, and they are those who hear the word, right? But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So let's talk about these things, the cares of the world. What Jesus is saying here is that, listen, when you are so concerned with the present or the future— the word here is not cosmos, which is actual world or galaxy. But, but it's not that word. It's actually a, a, a time frame. And what Jesus is saying here is, is look, if the situations in your life are so uh, in your mind and in your heart to where you can't focus and look that I put you here for more, then maybe what's happening in your life is that there are thorns that are coming into you. It says this, that enter into your life. That means that there's a door or a window or a back door, but it's open, okay? So like be on watch. But what I'm saying is, is that the present time or the future time, if you are more concerned with those two things, then maybe this is a distraction for you. Maybe right now the soil that is in your life are thorns. And it says this, is that they enter in and they choke and they suffocate. You know, the thing about suffocating with Christians is that most often we don't know that we're suffocating. We don't know that the things that we're paying attention to, that, 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 that we're worrying about so much, um, are, are, are actually really taking our breath away and not in the romantic sense, right? They're taking our breath away. So much so to where, to where we kind of shrivel up and die. And die, what I mean by that is that our spiritual fruit is departing us. Our love for one another, our peace, our joy, our faithfulness, our gentleness, our patience, our self-control, all of who God is. But that's worrying about the times too much, all right? That's worrying about the present or the future, okay? Now let's look, let's look at the second thing. It says this, deceitfulness of riches. Deceitfulness of riches. Listen, it's easy to live for stuff because you can see it right? It's easy to, to pass by a car lot and be like, yo, man, I want that in black with black rims, right? Some red trim, right? Okay. All right. It's easy to look at, you know, uh, window shopping. And I know that we all do it, right? Some of us go with like no money, like in our pockets, but we go to the mall and be like, you know what? I want that. I want that. 
I want two of those, all right? I want that in like a cream color, right? Okay, so, but, but it's easy to go out and just look for stuff and be concerned about stuff and even make more stuff. See, some of us are so into our jobs and our careers and how much can we make and how much can I get that sometimes those things enter in and we don't realize that because we are so concerned with those things, they are entering in and taking our breath away. They're taking a breath they're taking our breath away, whether it's cars or money or land. Living for excess or success. It's depleting us. And the last thing is here is a, a desire. And this word translated is actually lust. Um, it's a lust in many ways because this word is used in a few ways here. Um, but it's strong desire for things or for sexually inappropriate things. And that's really harsh. But these are thorns. So it kind of fits the context, right? Um, look at, uh, go back to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. starting in verses 19, we'll read through 21. <clears throat> All right, it says this. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions, he goes on, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Earlier in this passage, it says, walk by the Spirit, and in, in the Greek, it's actually take the hand of the Holy Spirit. Take his hand. Walk by the Spirit. I think taking of the hand is so beautiful. When I think taking of the hand, I think of people dancing, like, well, you know. Slow dancing, right? So, so there's a guy comes into a room and he's like, you know what? I really want to dance with her. So he goes out and says, hey, you take my hand? And that's what the Spirit wants to do with you is that the Spirit comes into a room and he changes everything about the room. And then he comes to you and says, take my hand. And in that process of taking his hand, he changes everything about you. God is for you. God wants you, and he loves you, and he desires that what he has given you to yield, to increase, to grow 30, 60, 100. And that's not, you know, that's not just 100, and then, that's, and then we're done. But what Mark is saying is that, is that God wants to do an impactful thing through your life. And this is for the kingdom of God. And it starts with us. It starts with us in Galatians. When he lists off all those things, man, that's a lot. That's really a lot. And those are kind of harsh. And if we're honest, some of those things are us sometimes. But let me just encourage you that when God 
gives you his spirit. He sends his Holy Spirit to come and invite you to take the hand. So do we take the hand? Or do you look at the hand and say, no, nah, nah, I want to do my thing. I want what I want, right? I want to do my thing. And what's also really harsh is that all of these things that I just listed, all of these enter in. Sometimes, very blatantly, sometimes we invite them in. Sometimes we're like, hey man, come on in. But sometimes they come in subtly and we don't realize it. And in the end, they suffocate the word, the seed. That's in us. And what does that mean is that we then become the, uh, 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 unfruitful. Unfruitful. Now, here's the interesting thing about that. We're designed, whenever we're Christians, we're designed to bear fruit. And whenever we don't, we are now not doing what we were created to do, what we were saved to do. This is really important because this goes over this, this other narrative of God now bringing heaven to earth. A long time ago, heaven was here and we didn't realize it. Adam didn't realize it. Eve didn't realize it. Man, they had it good. They were in the garden. They could eat almost everything that was on the menu, right? And then something happened. They decided to then take things into their own hands. And whenever they did that, they broke trust and they broke a relationship. And what God is doing through Jesus is now, he's now trying to say, you know what, even though things are broken, I'm coming back to restore. And I restore that through my son, Jesus. And whenever we bear fruit, whenever we grow and increase in yield, we are now bringing heaven here on earth in us. And whenever we do that, we are now invading more with the kingdom of God in our community and in our city. So let me just encourage you that, that God really has a design for the things that he's giving you, the things that he's allowing you to hear, whether on Sundays or Wednesdays or when, like, whenever you guys hang out. Whenever you read the word, God is trying to sow in you things. But the question is, right now, are you maybe along the path and are experiencing you know, spiritual warfare, things that you can't see? Maybe you're on rocky ground. Maybe you're experiencing stones in your life to whether it's persecution or tribulation, hardships, and God cares about those. But let me just tell you this, those things make you leave him or make you feel like you want to leave him. When all Jesus is asking you to do is stay with me. He doesn't want you to go. Or maybe you're experiencing the thorns. Now some of these thorns, like I said before, sometimes we invite them in and sometimes they come in real subtle. Are we people who just open the door? Are we people who open the door for, for our cares of the present or the future? Are we people who open the door for, for riches and gain and excess and things and, and, and life here on earth? Are we people that, that, that are opening the door for our desires for things, our lust for things or people? not knowing that whenever we let those things in, whether we open the door or whether we just open up a window and say, you know what, I'll just get like a little bit of air. Those things come in and unfortunately take our breath away. And 
Is your life distracted by thorns? So what do we do from here? Right? We know that, that a receptive heart hears and receives and pursues bearing fruit. Right? That's God's, that, that is God's goal for us, right? Is to restore heaven on earth. And that starts with us for the kingdom of God. He wants to do that for us. And he gives us his Holy Spirit to do that, right? He empowers us with himself. I think that's amazing. Like right now, if you're a Christian, you have, oh, this is so weird to say. And God, man, I, I'm so humbled and thankful. But, but you have everything that you need for life and godliness in you. That's what Second Peter chapter 1 says. And he says this, do all that you can to add to your faith. That's what he says. Do everything in your power to add to your faith. The goodness, the kindness, the, 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 the purity. Listen, listen, everything that you are right now, he wants to take you further. And not to take away stuff from you, but to give you more. There is freedom in Jesus and there is freedom in grace and there is freedom to, to, to not just take grace for it like as an advantage and be like, all right, I'm gonna do whatever I want now. But he wants more for you. He wants more for you. A receptive heart hears and receives and bears fruit. And I love that. Jesus' goal for us is to grow. And he gives us his Holy Spirit. But a distracted heart produces unfruitfulness. It produces unfruitfulness. So let me ask you a few questions. What prevents us from hearing? Like what's preventing you from hearing the word right now? Is it indifference? Is it I don't really care? Is it time? I don't got enough time. I don't got enough time to pray or connect with God. I don't have enough time to read my Bible. I don't have enough time to, to, to go to community group or life group or small group. I don't have time to hang out with believers. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Is it your schedule? What prevents us from receiving, right? Which is acknowledging that something is true and then responding accordingly. What is preventing us from receiving God's word? Is it selfishness? Is it pride? I can do it on my own. I don't need no help. No one can tell me anything. I got this. Is it your own personal goals? Measure of, of success? What is it? What's preventing us from bearing fruit? Are we being with him? walking with the Spirit, taking the hand of the Spirit, actively and intentionally working on aspects of our faith and aspects of becoming more like Jesus, the Son of God, whom God sent, for you to look at and be so amazed that you want to be like him. I think it's so interesting that when people say, you know what, being a Christian is tough because you got to do all this stuff. And I look at them and I, I understand what they're saying. I, I understand what they're saying. Like the Christian life, it's different, <laughs> all right? We're not just out, like, living all crazy and stuff like that. Like, we're not just out, like, doing what we want. Like, we have to live for somebody. And sometimes it's us, and hopefully sometimes more so it's God. But let me ask you a question. This parable of the sower and the seed, he's saying, look, listen, I want you to hear it, but what's distracting you? What's distracting you? There are sometimes whenever people tell me those things, man, like living the Christian life is hard. 
I said, yeah, but like, you know what's interesting? Like whenever you love somebody, you'll do anything for them. I know like some of you people just went like this. I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> hey, listen up. No, I'm just kidding, right? But, but listen, like whenever you love somebody, you'll do anything for them. You'll take a risk for them. You'll drive to go get Sour Patch gummies at like three in the morning for them. Especially if people are pregnant. I don't know. But, but, but like, listen, like you will do anything for them, right? You think about them and you care about them. I mean, you will literally do anything for them. Now, here's, here's the goofy thing about Christianity. We still have to live righteous or righteously. Pursue righteousness, pursue holiness, and pursue sanctification, and pursue what God has given us in our hearts, right? And that's the Holy Spirit planting a word in us that whenever we receive it, we're able to push out the darkness. But he says this, if you love me, you will obey me. Not obey me, and that shows that you love me. I think sometimes we get it twisted. Sometimes we think, you know what? If I just obey God, then he'll love me. That's not what he's asking for. He's saying, look, listen, look into my eyes and then tell me what you see. And if you fall in love with me, you'll want to obey me. So, the seed and the soil, are you a person that's falling in love? Like right now, if you look at your faith, if you think about it, are you a person who is thinking about him in such a way that stirs your heart and stirs your affections for him? Or maybe you're distracted by your time, by your schedule, by your career, by money, by clothes, by your own personal gain. And maybe you're distracted by thorns, where it's the desires for things and people and lust and all those things. This is a really harsh text. So have you been with him? Let me tell you this, he wants you there. He really does. Like there's not a day that goes by that he doesn't think about you. That's what David says. He says, whenever I sleep, you're there. And whenever I wake, you're still there. You're still there. God loves you, family. He really does. And he wants to do something in you that grows his kingdom. But it doesn't just start with social justice or feeding the homeless or doing good deeds. It starts with receiving what you have been given, pushing away distractions and looking at him and falling in love with him in such a way that you want to develop and increase and grow. And whenever we do that, check this out, sin messed up everything. Whenever we do that, sin messed up everything. But whenever we do that, whenever we look into his eyes and fall in love with him and, and, and are now producing fruit and internalizing the gospel and seeing for what it is and, and, and walking with other people, like whenever we do that, we now bring God's peace that was destroyed between God and man here within our hearts and then here with the people that we serve, that we're around. Like God's shalom. Like that's what shalom means. Like whenever people say it, they, they kind of see it as, oh, that's, that's what that Jewish person says. Oh, sh shalom and shalom or good day. But that's not what that means. Whenever people say that, 
or like whenever people did say that, especially here like in the Bible, um, is that they meant, listen, whatever you were created to be in your fullest sense, heart, mind, body, heart, and soul, like that's what God desires for you, is that he desires your best to be the best. And whenever we participate in the kingdom of God by internalizing like the gospel, pushing away distractions, we now get to restore that peace within our hearts first and then infect beautifully everyone that's around us. So will you look at him? Are you with him? Do you want to be with him? And if right now that answer is nope, okay. But the Holy Spirit hasn't left the room. Like the Holy Spirit hasn't given up. And the Holy Spirit is still saying, listen, like, take my hand. Walk with me. Walk with me. So let me give you a few minutes to contemplate. To contemplate how to respond in this moment with this parable. Jesus gives us the answer to having a heart that is fruitful. One to hear and receive and to bear fruit. But the other caution is that maybe there are some things in your life that you're facing right now that are completely taking your, or maybe all of your attention away. So in this moment, like I want you to think, God, is there something that's barricading me from you? Is there something in the way? And then after that, if the Holy Spirit lays something on your heart, Just talk to him about it. God, would you help me? God, I need you. God, I can't do this without you. I cannot do this without you. I need your Holy Spirit in my life. I need your presence in my life. And let me tell you this, family, like whenever God's presence is in your life, even though you may feel hopeless, there is still hope. You can have all the emotions in the world, but one of them as a Christian will be in some way God will fight for me and pull through because he's for me. So let me give you a few minutes to think about that. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.